Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. The question that plagues my mind more often than not is this. How do I grow? How do I grow as a person? How do I grow in my faith? How do I grow as a spouse? How do I grow as a dad? How do I grow my team? How do I grow our church? Ask me on any given day what I'm thinking about, and I'll tell you. How do I grow fill in the blank? How do you grow as a person in your faith? How do you grow as a spouse? as a parent? How do you grow your team? How do you grow your business? How do you grow? There is a prescription to this question that plagues our thinking, but the antidote isn't what we'd expect. You see, God wants us to grow, and He has a plan for that. And when we follow His plan, it's actually a better result than we could even imagine for us and for others. So, God's growth plan for our life and for our leadership is revealed to us in Acts chapter 6. So, if you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 1 through 7 in our time together today. Now, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, access one under our app. If you click on the message notes tile right on the home page there, you can even jot down some notes and follow along as we go about this time together now. So as you're getting to Acts 6, I'm just going to bring us all up to speed on what we've covered thus far in this Unleashed series as we journey through the book of Acts and what has brought us to now Acts chapter 6. You see, back in week one, we were challenged by the commission that Jesus gave his first followers, which is now our charge as well. We are missionaries on a mission, a mission that's a movement. Then in week two, we looked back at the start of the church, the start of the movement, to better understand who we're called to be as a church as we go forward. And we saw a few things. We saw that the church rallies around God's story by God's power, and it's the community of God. Tyler amped it up a little last week as he talked about how we are called to live boldly. It's a a challenge that I'm continuing to try to apply in my everyday life. So throughout all this time, the movement is picking up momentum from 11 to 120 to 3,000, then 5,000, and then all Luke can say is multitudes because they lost track. How amazing would it be if one day, we lose track of all the people who are coming to Jesus. Anyhow, this is where we pick the story up, and I would invite you to read with me in Acts 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. As exciting as the growth of the early church was, the rapid growth they were experiencing, well, With growth came growing pains. And as the tension is rising, people's needs are not being met. Now, tension in churches around unmet needs never happens today, so you're just going to have to stick with me on this one. If only. 
T tension isn't a bad thing, though. I've actually heard it said this way. Tension simply means something needs our attention. This isn't just a leadership principle that we should think about. It's a life principle we should apply because we experience growing pains in all areas of life. At home, when our family is growing or we move into a new place. At work, as we're hiring new staff or developing systems and processes to keep up with the growing needs. Even at church, we experience growing pains as the dynamics shift in the community as more people are apart, as needs are unmet. If stagnancy is the goal, avoid tension at all costs. But if growth is the goal, when we see tension, we just need to redirect our attention. And let me ask you this, what's the common denominator at home, at work, at church, when it comes to the growing pains you're experiencing? You are, I am. Where we face growing pains, whether it's home, work, church, you are present, I am present. We are present in all the growing pains we're experiencing in life right now, in the pains that we will experience in the future. So, this is a tough principle, tough reality to acknowledge because it's easier, isn't it? Like it's easier to just point fingers at them or, or that thing as the cause of our growing pains. But we have to be honest with ourselves, even with one another, because when we're honest about this reality that we are present in all growing pains that we experience, then we can grow past it. Because you see, we are the lid to our own growth. But it doesn't have to be this way. You know, now that we have this understanding that we're the lid to our own growth, acknowledging what the apostles realized in the moment, we're able to shift our mindset like they shifted their mindset. Check this out in verses two through six. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Now, aren't you glad you didn't just have to read that list of names? Yeah, it wouldn't be a great week to suggest or offer yourself to read at group. Continue. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The 12 apostles were humble enough to realize that their leadership was the lid to the growth of the church. Now, their plates were full, but it left other people's plates empty. And that wasn't okay. Something needed to change because as valuable as these people were who were having their needs met, so too, these people who weren't having their needs met, they're valuable as well. You see, everyone matters to God. And as a church, that means everyone matters to us. Like the 12, we are the lid to growth. In life, if we aren't developing, personally, we're going to find ourselves stagnating. We'll settle as a spouse. We'll mail it in as work. We'll just check the box of church. And it's not just us that are impacted 
those around us are impacted when we settle as well. Our home, our family, our work, our teams, our church will plateau. They'll experience the, the stagnation, the, the suffering as a result of our settling. But we're not going to be people who settle. The good news is that the 12 apostles, they had the Holy Spirit living in them. And the Holy Spirit gave them wisdom, a, a mindset beyond the norm. They actually shifted their way of thinking. And we can too. We can shift from a limited mindset to a growth mindset. That's what the disciples experienced. And because they did, they were able to continue to experience growth. And I'm going to guarantee that that growth impacted the growth of the lives of those who are part of the church as well. So here's what it looks like if we want to live and lead with a growth mindset. It starts with one, do what you do best. Verse 2 says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. There was more to be done, but the apostles didn't have the capacity to do it. And if the apostles can't do it all, who are we to think that we can? In fact, the apostles, they had the humility to recognize that they weren't the solution to the problem. And that's a hard thing for us. They had the wisdom to realize that their best investment of their time, of their attention, of their resources, was in doing what they do best. Verse 4 says, And we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the Word. The apostles' leadership of the early church challenges me as I have the privilege of leading our church. You see, when I look at what they've identified as the big things that they need to focus on as church leaders, I'm challenged that I need to make them my big things, the big rocks in my schedule, prayer, leadership, preaching. And if I don't pray, if I don't lead, if I don't prepare a message, it's going to be evident pretty quickly. Our church is going to suffer. But if I don't also grow in my prayer, develop in my leadership, in my preaching, soon I'm going to be the lid to our church's growth, your growth, if you're part of our church family. And I, I can't stand that fact. So like you, I want to have a growth mindset. Let me ask you this. What are the three big rocks that need to be in your schedule? For me, it's prayer, leadership, and preaching. What would it be for you? When you think of how you contribute at home, work, church. Now let me ask you this. Once you have jotted those down, next to them, just give yourself a letter grade. Like how are you doing executing and developing in that area? Say you gave yourself a B. What would it take to make that B an A? Or if you gave yourself a C, how would that become a B? How do we take a step forward doing what we're best at? Now, in order to do this, we have to also do what the apostles did next. Two, empower others to do what they do best. Verse 3 reveals, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. 
the growing pains of the early church, these unmet needs, the tension surfaced, something that needed attention. So the apostles recognize it and then they delegate it to others who are gifted in that thing. Good leaders address a problem. The best leaders put their best people on their biggest problems. So what are the growing pains that you're feeling? At home, at work, at church? These are tension points that we feel and it's tempting to just retreat from them. But we're not gonna do that because these tensions, they're often our blind spots, they're often our weaknesses. So how about this, instead of taking the time, the effort, the energy that, that you're currently using to do what you do best, how about this? How about we look around ourselves and we ask, who does this thing best? It has to happen. It's important. It's valuable to your family. It's valuable to your team at work. Who can now I delegate this to? Who can I empower to do this thing? This is what we see the apostles do, and we're wise to follow suit. Now, once the seven new team members were identified, the apostles pray over them. They commission them. They're empowering them to go do what they're called to do. This is why you'll see us pray over new leaders, new group leaders, team leaders, staff as a church, because we are blessing them to go be a blessing to those around them, to use the gifts and skill sets that God's given them to go make a difference. Now, often, not always, the growing pains we experience, they're actually a result of the limitations that we have in our thinking. There's so much that has to be done, I'll just do it. It has to be done right, so I'll do it. Oh, I'm too busy, like, there's too much going on, I don't have time to train someone else, I'll just do it. How short-sighted and prideful are we? If we want to experience growth, we've got to empower others to do what they do best. Now, if the disciples got to be a part of something bigger than, than, than themselves, which they did, we're reading about this movement, could it be because they actually had vision bigger than themselves, vision bigger than their own capacities and capabilities? Remember Jesus' mission that he gave them? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Newsflash, that mission is now our mission. So from neighborhoods to nations, we're going to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. And if you want to live and, and lead with a limited mindset, go for it at home, go for it at work. But at church, we're not content with that. We, we believe that God his heart deeply breaks for those who are far from him. Everyone matters to God, so everyone matters to us. So we're going to keep leaning forward. We're going to keep sharing our faith with people. We're going to keep empowering others so that one more can know Jesus. Doing what you do best and empowering others to do what they do best, these are just two pedals that propel us forward in our life in leadership. And as we see in this passage, a growth mindset is the prescription to our growing pains. But what's the antidote? Like, how could we grow in all arenas of life? No matter what we face, how can we grow through it? Well, the answer is simple, but it's challenging. Discipleship. What Jesus modeled for us in his ministry, what the 
apostles, those followers who followed Jesus, like when he walked the earth, they followed suit. And then we see it continue throughout the New Testament in the letters that are written to various churches. And for the sake of time now, I'm just going to summarize this discipleship pathway that we see in Scripture. And it starts with one, be discipled. Paul was a follower of Jesus in the first century. We're going to meet him very soon here in this Acts series. But for now, know this. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And in that letter, he beautifully summarized what discipleship looks like. He said it like this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Discipleship is simply an invitation to follow. So who are you following as you follow Jesus? I am incredibly thankful for those who have discipled me in the past and those who are discipling me now. Many have discipled me and I feel like I am just keep adding to the team because I want to grow and grow and grow. So here are some people on my team right now discipling me. Mac has mentored me for a few years and God has used him many times to speak to me even about the calling that God has for me to start Connect Church. Ernest Smith at Front Range Christian Church in Castle Rock, he has been coaching me in church planting, because I've never done this before, but he has. Craig Smith at Mission Hills Church is coaching me as well in pastoral leadership because he has far more experience in this than I do. Mac, Ernest, Craig, God will regularly use them to develop competencies in me so that I can better lead our church. Now, that's the competency side of things, but how about the character side of things? Mason has been an accountability partner of mine for about a decade now, and we'll touch base at least once a month to check in with one another and pray for each other. I have a counselor who I can talk to so that I can grow mentally, so I can grow emotionally. I couldn't help but share with you, when I'm talking about people who are discipling and and part of that team for me, well, my community group. Yeah, I lead the group, but they're my group as much as I'm their group leader. And when we get to be together, we get to talk about Scripture, we get to pray for one another. I know they're in my corner. Now, let's just call it as we see it. That's a lot of people discipling me. I guess you could say I need a lot of work. I've formed this team, people who are farther along in the journey in one way or another, because If I'm going to be stepping out in faith, if I'm going to take steps into enemy territory as a pastor, as a church planner, I need to know who's in my corner. Who's in your corner? It would be daunting to think about forming a team, but everyone should have someone who is a little further along in them, in their following of Jesus, and who can encourage them as they follow Jesus. So who's that for you? You know, I was at lunch a couple weeks ago with Austin Davis, and he asked an awesome question. We're sitting across the table, and he said, Chris, I want to be discipled. Where do I start? One, go Austin for asking the right question. Two, here's what I said. All right, you should connect with a community group because it's in a group where you're going to get to know others, they're going to get to know you, and you can see who you connect with. Then just start spending time with somebody that you respect in their faith and follow them as they follow Jesus. That's a way that you can grow in character. It's a way we can disciple you in character groups. 
But you know, there's another context that you can be discipled at Connect as well. We call them serve teams. And when you're serving on a team, when you're practicing hospitality, when you're leading a group, when you're part of the tech team, whatever your skill set is, whatever your gifts are, we want to help you grow and be discipled in the competencies, the skill sets that are part of playing that role. So whether it's groups or teams, I would invite you, be discipled. And two, disciple others. When you see your daughter get it, when your employee solves the problem, when you're sitting across from your pray for one and they ask you about your faith, you realize that being discipled is a blessing, but discipling others is a far greater blessing. Years ago, I had the privilege of starting an internship program at my church, and I got to facilitate discussions around leadership with the interns, as well as coach them in their ministries and, and leadership of their teams. I got a confession. I grew far more than the interns did as I got to lead them through their internship. In that same season, I got to work with small group leaders. And I would ask them, I'd say, you know, you got a lot going on. Why do you lead a group? I mean, I thank you. Like, I appreciate that you lead a group, but why? Every time they would share how it impacted their faith as they got to have conversations with people or even prepare for the group discussion and the way it, it grew their faith. It, it sounds backwards, but experience tells us that if you want to learn more, teach. Being a disciple is a blessing. Discipling others is a greater blessing. And just like Jesus commissioned his first disciples to go and make disciples, he has commissioned us to do the same. So like Paul, we may we say this, like he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Who's following you? When you look behind you, who is in your wake? Now, how can you be more intentional about pouring them pointing them to Jesus. Could be your kids, could be an employee. How are you pointing them to Jesus? Be discipled, disciple others, and three, disciple leaders. Being discipled is a blessing. Discipling others is a greater blessing, but the greatest blessing of all. In God's economy, it's discipling leaders because by the nature of the person being a leader, they have followers, they have people they're discipling. And when we disciple them, it has a ripple effect. Kids and grandkids, managers and supervisors, leaders and team members. In a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, shortly before Paul died, he said this in 2 Timothy 2.2. In the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That's four generations of discipleship. That's multiplying disciples who make disciples. That's what we're called to as disciples of Jesus. Multiplying your impact through leaders shouldn't be a mystery. So we have some resources, leadership resources, training materials that we have developed to help train those who serve on our groups and teams and leadership roles. But I'm gonna be honest, so much of leadership is transferable. So if you want to grow in leadership, if you want to grow in discipling leadership in others or discipling others, you should totally check out all the resources 
are free and they're available under the more tab in our app. And if you want to talk more about leadership or growing in leadership or discipling others in leadership, reach out to me and I would love to talk with you about what that can look like. The prescription for our growing pains is a growth mindset and the antidote is discipleship. Like the apostles in Acts chapter 6, may we make disciples who make disciples. And when we do, growth happens. I checked this out in Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. When the people of God share the story of God by the power of God, the community of God grows. And when the community of God grows, everyone wins. When, when we grow, personally, when we grow as a church, when we grow in any area of life, there are growing pains. But the way through it is a growth mindset. We're not going to think with a, a limited mindset anymore. We're not, we're not content with stagnancy or complacency. Oh no, we're going to do what we do best and empower others to do what they do best. And as we are discipled and as we disciple others, maybe even disciple leaders, one day in the future, we're going to look back and we're going to see the ripple effect of those following us and those following those who follow us. And we're going to see God use us and use those we disciple to help others answer that question, how do I grow?